Pizza Noir, Book 2, Chapter 15 Opening Day Docked at Westport, the Blint Mary from without looked quaint, pastoral, weathered with willing. She was at the very end of the northernmost pier, and the rain continued to pour out on the sky onto Smith, Thompson, uh, and the agent as they walked the length of the pier. They boarded the vessel. It had been left exactly as the patrol boat had found it early that morning, the agent said. The bodies remained where they'd fallen. The rain had washed off the most obvious blood puddles on the deck, but the wood still had an obvious new rouge. She had a crew of eight. We found one of them intact, the captain below deck, the agent said, pointing down. He found half a man on the bridge, and he found two of those hairy things. One fell below deck, one on the bridge. And some sharks, and that's what gets me, he continued. I've seen my share of wolf ladies before in some very real ways, but never sharks coming topside uninvited. Before climbing up to the bridge, he led them all the way around the bloody deck. There were signs of a scuffle, fresh bullet holes here and there in the walls of the cabin, disturbed gear and tackle and bloodstains all over everything. What they were seeing was the battle aftermath of Siemens firearms and hooks versus the surprise factor and rabid, razor-sharp claws of the supernatural furries. There were blood trails leading over the edges of the vessel as well in several places. The cabin they found one, most of the crewmen, well, most of one of the crewmen, his head and upper torso having been bitten off by a shark, and two, two dead sharks, and three, a dead worm animal. It was hard to tell who killed whom, except for the obvious logical eliminations to be made. E.g., the crewman hadn't bitten anyone in half, probably, and a shark didn't fire the shotgun with which the worm animal and one of the sharks had been blown down. Because sharks don't have opposing opposable thumbs, opposable digits, but they're also not supposed to be out farting around in the open air. There was buckshot spattered all over the walls. The other shark had somehow been chopped in half with some sort of razor wire, or large blade, or who no, large blade, or who knows what. One of the notable things here was that the wolf lady was not wearing a chino wheeled beaver uniform. Rather, she wore the red kilt of a phoenix bloody roller, derby girl. The three men went then below deck to find another dead bloody roller rag with stab wounds and the body of the captain locked together and sharing each other's death grip. A line overboard was blood-soaked also. Beyond these stragglers, everyone else remained missing. The agent said, looks like the Blint Mary was boarded and some sort of three-party close-quarters brawl ensued, and now here we stand with among the leftovers. Seems like the crew were just fighting off whatever monsters boarded them, whether shark or zombie bitch, Thompson said. Well, Smith added, and this is part of a pattern of the sharks and the wolf ladies at odds. First, we found one of these girls inside a great white, that mysteriously appeared strung up on a scale hook at the Port of Olympia Marine Terminal. 
few days later. We had a bloody shark versus wolf lady scene at a convenience store off I-5 in Tacoma. And the clerk collaterally killed as well in that one. This wolf lady thing has been going on for a week or two longer than the shark thing, Thompson said. But, whether shark or werewoman, we decided on the way out here that the only way to proceed is to call it an open season on all of them. Smith jumped in. They're operating outside of bailiwick of any criminal or other secular court, so it's become obvious to us that it is naive to try to investigate or prosecute them normally, Smith said. They're wanted, dead or alive. Seems no other way to go about it. That is the challenge. Hunting to kill or capture walking sharks and underwater urban werewomen. Now that thing has spilled over the coastline. Maybe some aspect of the whole situation will reveal itself, bringing us closer to putting a handle on it all. A paradigm shift in the case with hope, I pray. The Coasties will come in handy on this hunt. Investigator smiled the smile of a nonplussed stoic mariner who had seen his fair share of seaborne weirdness in his career. Well, he said, we'll do what we can and keep sharp ears and eyes. You want these corpses? No thanks for the gippers, we've got plenty. Watch the fee wolves, though. They tend to reanimate, so we recommend binding them well tight, Thompson said, smiling at the Coast Guard man. And the sharks are prone to entirely disappear or disintegrate. On the other hand, they all make excellent firewood, if you read me right, my friend. It was pushing six o'clock by the time the two detectives made it back to Tacoma. They stopped in at Kelly Sammy's for steak and potatoes. Meet his murder. Besides the swordfish missing from the rafters, the place showed no permanent scars from yesterday's brouhaha. The usual bartender was working. He gave a shrug when they walked in, as if to quickly acquit himself regarding the fiasco that had occurred in the tavern for the Santos wake the day before. From Kelly Sammy's, Thompson dropped Smith off at his car which was still parked at the station. Want to watch TV in my underwear? Thompson volunteered. Let's maul the onset of hunting season tonight. Sleep on it. We'll discuss our ideas tomorrow. Smith nodded. Thanked him for driving all day. Thompson pulled away before heading home. Smith decided to pay a quick visit to the morgue.